0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast.
1: I'm Anya Kane.
2: And I'm Kevin Greenlee.
1: And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers And what did we watch?
2: Uh, we watched the complete run of the 2012 uh, television classic, Awake. It's about a police detective who is in a car with his wife and his, t- his teenage son. And it's son. a fun
1: road trip show where they just go around and have all sorts of adventures.
2: <laughs> There's a terrible accident and he is told that his wife is dead his son lives then when he goes to sleep and wakes up he's like back at the scene of the accident only he's told that his son is dead and his wife is alive and that's basically the premise of the program every time he goes to sleep he switches from the reality where one of his family members is alive and the other one is dead and goes to the other reality Uh, And it's also kind of a crime of the week show where he works cases in both realities and there's clues in one reality that offer solutions to the crime in the other reality. Uh, And they often, these cases, have something to do with his mental state.
1: Yeah, it's it's a psychological thriller slash police procedural with some really surreal elements that the series puts to good use. And unfortunately, this is a one-season wonder. It aired from uh, March 1st to May 24th in 2012. It, uh, it, it, it didn't go beyond that. But I
2: watched it at the time.
1: You watched it at the time. I, I hadn't heard about it until you brought it up. I'm going to be honest. When you brought up the premise, I kind of thought, well, I mean, that sounds like it could be good, but it sounds like kind of a bummer and i love this show guys <laughs> i i became an awake head i got woke as they say with awake because i just i thought this was so good and i've i've consumed a lot of police procedurals in my time and this one just employs the the formulas and the expectations in such a clever way to talk about this this man coping with the loss of uh, his family essentially, and it's 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 really good. I mean the I mean the writing's terrific.
2: What about the writing? Did you respond to?
1: I love the characters. I thought the characters felt like human beings. Uh, there would be points where uh, the detective, who's played excellently by Jason Isaacs, uh, is is talking with his teenage son or his wife. And you think, oh, now the teenage wife the, no, not the teenage <laughs> wife.
2: Ugh. That's my story. No.
1: <laughs> Jesus, it, the teenage son or the wife is going to react really unreasonably when he's telling them something that doesn't make sense because he's, you know, he's propelled forward by these two sides of his life, so he's getting stuff confused and it's it's difficult for him. But um, you know, they react like human beings and so they have like an adult conversation about you know what what they need to do to move forward as a family. And I just I just thought I really like that. I like it when when you're not relying on kind of cheap melodrama or your wife being unreasonable or your teenage son being a brat. It's more of like, how would people really deal with a situation like this and what sort of nuances can we lean into in the writing? And you saw that again and again and I was just like, Bravo. Bravo, Kyle Killen. <laughs> You're the real one. I mean, he, I just, I thought this was great. Jason Isaac's performance is incredible. Uh, you really feel he seems, I think you summed it up once, he seems so competent and yet so unraveled that you can kind of understand why people react to him the way they do, where they're kind of like, okay, I trust you, but I don't know if I should because <laughs> you're just talking crazy. <laughs> On a second watch, Uh, What kind of do you walk away with? Uh, You watched it the first time. You were enthused enough to uh, watch it again after a decade. Uh, What's that experience been like?
2: Uh, There's a lot of nuances to the show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, What I noticed on the second watch was uh, the episodes that didn't have Kyle Killen's name on either story by or script by could be a little bit weaker. Yeah, agreed. There was a, an episode where uh, I said, oh, this is interesting. This episode was written by a guy who wrote a lot of 24 episodes.
0: Red flag.
2: <laughs> and that turned out to be uh, a conventional beat the clock kidnap thriller.
1: Yeah, with the detective's own son, which is cliched, but also like feels divorced enough from reality that it kind of takes some of the interest out of it. I agree. There were there were some duds in this uh, t- 13 episode run there were there were not they were not all winners and there were a couple of episodes that you felt were pretty forgettable but one thing that kind of kept it kept it interesting especially at the end they introduced um, a bit of a, a, a conspiracy and you really don't know where it's going because because it seems like Jason Isaacs is such an unreliable narrator but they introduce the idea that his family's car accident that killed either or his wife or son um, was not an accident, and that somebody was trying to kill him, and his family just got in the way. So that kind of that kind of keeps thing I mean, I, I'm sitting there like, what the hell's going on? I don't know. I don't know if this is a man, you know, taking out his angst on the world around him because he's delusional because of this accident. Or if it's real, or if it's real in one reality or fake in the other reality, and which reality is the real reality? Is it is one really a dream in the other reality? Are they both dreams? Is he in a coma? I don't know. These are all questions I'm asking myself, and I'm having a great time because it's just bringing back memories of when I used to watch Lost as a kid and get into all the dumb theories, and then they none of them mattered, but I had a fun time. <laughs>
2: You really got into this. You were very drawn up into it. You found it very intense. You were literally on the edge of your seat, leading forward. Many times I'd look over, you'd have a hand over your mouth, which your mouth was agape.
1: I kept yelling at the screen, like, don't go in there! <laughs> or Kevin, what's going to happen?
2: He <laughs> said, Kevin, this is too much!
1: It was too much. I was really stressed out today. We did a double feature, because I knew, I said, I you know the, the the penultimate episode is probably going to end on a cliffhanger because that's how these things go, and then it propels you into the finale. So I want to watch the last two episodes together. So we cleared our weekend, you know, <laughs> canceled all the plans, so <laughs> so we could sit home watch the last two episodes of a decade old show, and then tell you guys about it. I I um yeah I mean it's it's certainly not a perfect show. I I, I mentioned some some choppy edits, and and of course you know. If you don't, if you don't like police procedurals, you're probably going to be pretty bored because that's a lot of it. But I, I just like the way they take the genre conventions of a police procedural and sort of play with them, and and it really leans hard into. I, I like when things that I, I like when a ridiculous thing happens, and then the characters have to find a way to like work around it or make it work for them. Because if I told you. Like on the surface, if you're a homicide detective and you dream clues for the homicide you're working, that's good, right? Because you could use those clues to solve the crime. But in reality, you know, this chain of evidence and like <laughs> you know, like uh, you, you know, you need you need credible witnesses. And 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 a detective just pulling something out of their ass and saying, "Oh well." uh you know, the uh, m- murder in my dream happened on Blueberry Street, and this guy's a blueberry salesman, so he must be involved. That doesn't fly. And I like how, instead of just kind of hand-waving that away in the writing, they they have that become a real problem for Jason Isaacs, because his partners are constantly like, you can't do this. This is not how it works. What are you talking about? You're not making any sense. And so the, the whole series has a real, like, flying by the seat of his pants kind of uh, atmosphere, because... You can tell that, like, as long as he keeps solving cases, he's probably okay. (laughs) But this is a lawsuit waiting to happen.
0: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docu-series Where Is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part, you can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv/poppods. That's p h i l o.tv That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying
2: should be. Yeah, and I wondered if you and I were in a car with Lanny.
1: Oh, my God. Would you have, gonna that's, get, our, that's our dog. It's going to get dark. Would you
2: have like a reality where Lanny lives and I die and vice versa?
1: Jesus. Bleak. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Lanny, but she can't help me do the podcast. She can't talk. <laughs> It'd just be me talking and like an occasional jingle of her uh, collar.
0: <laughs> so all
2: our mo- my- <laughs> most our most podcasts like that. Pretty much. <laughs> You're over there yapping. You're
1: all silent, Kev over there.
2: <laughs> you occasionally, hear a little surface noise on my microphone.
1: A sad, soft sigh <laughs> from Kevin. <laughs> What, uh, what was and you... the
2: show got surre- more and more surreal as the season went on because you'd figure either he's sleep deprived because he's never actually getting any rest or if you think he's having mental breaks, they're becoming more and more pronounced. And the, the more surreal things start kind of gradually, but by the end, you're having his partner dressed as a penguin.
1: Okay, the penguin motif was, was excellent. Penguins are my favorite animal. And they, at one point, legit, in the middle of nowhere, during a hostage crisis at a hospital where a mentally ill man is holding hostages, you know, he injects the detective with ketamine or something, and he starts seeing a penguin following him around. Like, a, a CGI penguin just starts showing up, dancing around, doing its own thing. It's... <laughs> it's insane! I've never <laughs> I've never seen... That. I mean, like, I just... It's bizarre, and I loved it. And then later on, the penguin comes back because his, de- his detective partner is, is dressed up like a penguin in a big mascot penguin suit. It's, it's bizarre. I, we're saying that now. It sounds ridiculous. I think it works, but it's really off the wall.
2: So I guess my question is, why did the surreal elements work for you here, having the surreal elements in a cop show, but I seem to recall another time we watched a cop show that included some surreal elements, a little something called cop rock. You were not so appreciative. Um, what made them work here or what made them fail there?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I, that's a good question. I definitely respect cop rock for pushing the envelope to an extent. I just don't think it worked.
2: So let's pull that out as a quote. I respect cop rock. (laughs) Anya Kane <laughs> just ruined all my
1: credibility. I think with this, the show feels like a real show and they're not all the scripts are winners, as I said, but the ones that are good are are pretty good police procedurals on their in their own right and you're kind of like, okay, I wonder what's gonna happen here How are they gonna figure this one out And like having sprinkling this having a sprinkle of surrealism onto an already strong, you know, vanilla ice cream bowl of, you know, police procedural, then I, think then I think that tastes better to me than just kind of, like, really trying to blend a lot of surrealism in. I didn't feel the cop rock pilot that we saw had a particularly interesting or worthwhile story, and I didn't feel like I connected with any of the characters as much as I did with the ones in Awake. So I think those two elements, you have to have strong fundamentals to get away with that, I mean, and listen, you know, if you have a surrealist edge to a, a movie or something where you can be a little more avant-garde, that's one thing. But trying to blend it with kind of your typical milk toast type of TV show, I just think you want to maybe start introducing it gradually and kind of ramp. Yeah, it I think up.
2: that's the real thing because with Awake, you got to know the characters very well before uh, he like pulls up to a drive-through and the voice at the other end. Uh, starts giving him crucial clues. Yeah, that was
1: wild. Yeah. And, I mean, the characters in this, I thought, were, by and large, pretty well written. I, I mentioned Jason Isaacs does a great job. I, there, he has two therapists, one in each reality, uh, and they, they're they both great. Uh, he has the guy, one of the, yeah, the guy was the psychiatrist from SVU, he's the more stern therapist. He doesn't really... He doesn't, he doesn't really believe in, like, letting his patients believe their delusions. And he's kind of just, like, cut this shit out. What are you doing? Like, you need to focus on getting better instead of... I'm not going to talk to you about your other reality because that's obviously just dreams. And then his lady therapist, who you said was from 24, she's more uh, supportive and kind of like, this is really interesting. You're making quite a breakthrough today. And so... Yeah,
2: she was one of the presidents on 24.
1: Yeah. And so they, they both kind of bring a different style of therapy to it. But, like, they, they feel pretty... They feel pretty... That's a, that's a fun vehicle. I liked his wife. Uh, I thought she seemed she seemed like... She, I mean, I just like... I like that they were written as a couple. Like, you could believe why they're together. You could believe that they're in love and that they really care about each other even though they're dealing with a hard time. And then I thought the son was a believable teen dealing with a lot of anger, dealing with a lot of angst because his mom died in a horrific way. So, I mean, like, everything, everything is kind of, like, feels like, yes, I can buy these people... I can buy these situations. So even when you add some surrealism, it doesn't feel, like, removed. And, like, Cop Rock was almost self-conscious. It wanted to be surreal, but it also wanted to be gritty realism. (laughs) And I think that's a hard thing to balance.
2: Awake. Awake.
1: (laughs) What are your thoughts on it?
2: Well, as I, as I said, I, I thought that it worked well. They they spent, they have this bizarre premise, and then other than that, everything is very very real and grounded. The characters seem very real, and then the surrealism gradually creeps in.
1: What do you think about the introduction of like a kind of a, a side thing of like maybe the the accident was a murder?
2: I I think. Uh... I think for a program like this, it helps to have a story arc.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: To link everything together in the sense of building to something. If it just sticks to just a a generic crime of the week show, where does that lead?
1: Yeah, it just kind of keeps going back and forth.
2: You're just on a treadmill. You're just like Law and Order or SVU.
1: Did you have a favorite episode?
2: Uh, There's an episode where he is with his son. And he, for complex reasons that are okay, he goes bungee jumping with his son, and he gets knocked out. And then when he's knocked out, he's in the other reality, and he finds he can't return to the reality with his son, and he becomes increasingly distraught at the possibility that his son really is dead and forever lost to him. And I thought that was a very emotional and uh, intense and moving episode. How about yourself?
1: I really like that one, too. I I like the one with the penguin in it. (laughs) Um, Although, I I mean, I I think the ones I least liked, uh, liked less, were the ones where his son gets kidnapped. And then the one where he has to team up with a cocky FBI agent to, you know, solve a serial killer case. Because those just felt kind of like they were just drawing on the same old playbook of every Mm -hmm. police procedural show. And I didn't think... I just thought they were kind of cliche. I like the last two episodes. I thought those were just getting increasingly surreal. You really feel like you're just living in this guy's mind now.
2: Yeah. And there's some really great storytelling because the last couple of episodes basically are telling the exact same story in two different realities. Yeah. And so that takes skill to do that and to not make it dull.
1: It's definitely not dull. Cause you're just, you're like, how the hell is this? Which one of these is even real? Yeah. Like, you don't feel like it's satisfied Like, you, he might he wraps something up in one of the realities, and you're kind of like, okay, great. But then, like, the next reality, he's been shot, or he's been arrested, and you're kind of like, oh, my God, what's going what's to happen next?
2: Do you have a feeling about which reality was real?
1: I always had the feeling that the reality where his son was alive was real. And the reason is because... Uh, they had like, I felt like in that one they had fewer shots away from Britain. It was all much more from his perspective, whereas you got as you know, you got seeing the crooked cops do stuff or seeing his wife do stuff in the other reality. And um, just something about the color scheme, it was much colder and like that's kind of you feel like more true to what he would be dealing with as opposed to the kind of warm, nice reality where his wife's alive. He's almost seeing that one through like a, uh, not a rose-colored glass, but like a kind of some sort of light, lightning, happy filter.
2: I guess the counter argument would be that uh, losing your child on some level must be much more devastating than losing a spouse because you never expect to lose a child.
1: Now I know once we have kids on, you know, I could be just blown away and you're, you're going to be picking yourself up right away.
2: Well, I'm, I'm a little older than you, so we both know that uh, you're the one that's going to have to soldier on. Do I have my fun? <laughs> as soon as that little first gray hair appears on your head, I'm dead. I'm out of here. That's the way I set it up. That's the plan.
1: That's your, uh, that's your contraption that you set up.
2: <laughs> wow, what a good plan. Works out perfectly for me. I get to feed on your youth, <laughs> suck out your vigor. Yeah, and then uh, as soon as that first wrinkle appears, I'll say, "Okay,
1: you're fucking vampire."
2: <laughs> I'm dead. I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> so you think the wife's reality was real?
2: I don't know. I, I almost think it's a waste of time to even think about something like that. Oh, oh just oh, enjoy oh, their. So
1: sorry, I agree, but like I, but it's worth talking about because we're talking about the show. I think. I almost kind of feel like he's he's in purgatory. <laughs> that's where I go. What does that mean? He's dead.
2: So you think Britain is dead?
1: Yes. I think that's a, I, that would explain everything pretty well. How so? Well, in purgatory, in Catholic teaching, you know, you kind of have to toil away and make it up to God for all that bad shit you did. But you can still get into heaven, but you just have to suffer first. So this kind of fits in with that.
2: So he's dead and imagining both realities.
1: Yes. Yep. And then maybe in the end, that's the prelude to him, uh, you know, going to heaven. (laughs) See, this is what loss does to you people.
2: (laughs) I don't even know what to make of this. Do you feel uh, the last produced episode supports that theory?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do. Why
2: don't you, t- why don't you give... Uh... I'll
1: give everyone the razzle dazzler. So, okay. So, a lot of crazy shit happens. I want to ramp up to explaining the endings. People need to know what this journey was and what, we've, do ju- what we've just been through. So, okay. Um, the, the green reality is the one where the sun is alive. The red reality is where the wife is alive. Uh, In the green reality, he basically solves the mystery, gets most of the corrupt cops arrested or killed, and, uh, you know, brings justice down, except for his sketchy captain, who's this lady captain who is bad. And we've seen she's bad through, like, half of the series. But she gets away, and she kind of manipulates him to think she's on his side. And in the red reality, it's a clusterfuck. He gets arrested. He gets shot. He gets arrested, shot and then arrested, and then, you know, he's going go to uh, go away from murdering this crooked cop, essentially. And so he figures out in the red reality that uh, the, the lady captain is also bad. So basically what happens is a very surreal scene. He, uh, the red reality prisoner, Jason Isaacs, melds with the green reality, Jason Isaacs, and they make the green reality you know, the permanent reality is going to be in. I sound like I'm totally high.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You really do.
1: this is what happened. And uh, he, uh, so then at the end, he's talking to the lady therapist, the uh, 24th therapist who is, uh, you know, who's telling him this is great. Now you can accept that the red reality wasn't real. And you can just stay here in the green reality forever. And he's like, yeah, but it sucks because I don't have my wife. And there was this whole really sad scene when he was melding realities where he's like said goodbye to his wife and gave her a goodbye kiss. And it was just really, it was very sad. But then as he's talking to the green therapist, the whole scene freezes and it's really ominous. And you're like, what the fuck? And then a door opens and he walks through it. And every the lighting has been, again, very cool or very warm. And here the lighting is normal, balanced, and he's in the kitchen in his pajamas, and he sees his wife, and he sees his son, and they're together, and they're just kind of having a normal day, and they're like, come on, let's go. And he looks like, he's like trying not to cry looking at them, and there's a swooning indie song in the background, and meanwhile, I'm sitting there tearing up, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the ending, so, you know, I mean, dreams don't work that way, dreams don't work Dreams are not that dreams usually don't like follow that much of a storyline and are not that vivid. Dreams can be very vivid but not in that way not in like oh I'm definitely living in another reality way.
2: So you believe basically end of the series he ascends to heaven. yeah It's everything he wants after There's his family back together after
1: his suffering is over in purgatory because you'd find out he wasn't a perfect cop he did send an innocent man to jail most likely. That wasn't on purpose, but you know he might have some things he needs to atone for, as as we all do.
2: That's a fascinating theological perspective that didn't even occur to me.
1: I don't think it's a. I think it's a pretty basic ass this bitch watched Lost once perspective, but that's what I'm here for, folks. (laughs) (laughs) But you're very kind to say that, so thank you.
2: I, I think it's very clever. No. so that means you found these 13 episodes to be basically a complete story with a beginning middle and end
1: if you look at it through that through that lens yes now i'm not saying that is the only lens you should look at through or that i'm you know i'm sure that's not what the creator intended so i i agree with you i think it's probably ultimately pointless to argue about it but it's sort of like whatever you know it's like one of those things you can kind of fill in your own perspective and kind of Maybe you think it was all in a coma and him, him meeting his family at the end is him dying essentially uh, or, or something. But uh, I'm sure there's like a lot of different areas you could uh, just, the whole thing is very unreliable, which is, which actually makes it pretty fun and sad.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you were in tears. It's a very
1: sad show. It's very sad. You really feel like Jason Isaacs is really coming to grips with a really terrible loss and, It's just a nightmare. Like the worst thing that can happen to somebody happened to him, basically.
2: Yeah, losing a family member.
1: Yeah. Now, you've had some weird dreams in the past, haven't you? Because you had a very specific thing that you did in your dreams that's I think different for most people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, uh, I used to dream entirely in prose instead of pictures.
1: Isn't that wild, folks? This guy—he's a marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so cool. Like you would, like you would, literally just be kind of scanning through a page with written text on it. Yes, and the text is telling you what's going on.
2: Yeah, my brain is very confusing, and also uh, there was an extended period in my life for a variety of reasons. I never really slept well. You got very little sleep. I would have sleep studies done, and you know the reason you're tired is you never really seem to enter an REM sleep. Poor
1: Catman. But you weren't REM sleeping, so you stopped dreaming entirely, essentially.
2: Yeah. Then when I started, when I would have dreams, when I, I, yeah, they would be. Those bizarre prose dreams.
1: Those are so cool. I just think those are cool. You hear about people in the old times dreaming in black and white, like the TV like, like TV was back then.
2: And I guess I read a lot.
1: Yeah. You weren't doing much.
2: <laughs> I had a very quiet life back before I met you, oh, life of yeah.
1: ease. Yeah, life of ease where you weren't getting any REM sleep.
2: <laughs> then I meet you and suddenly sleep is a blissful re- escape. <laughs>
1: You're tra- you're dreaming the reality where you never met me.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have to wear rubber bands on your wrist to figure out which one it is.
2: Yeah, in this show he wears rubber bands of different colors to remind him which reality. Yeah, he
1: wears in. red for the wife reality and green for the son reality. Uh I've I've always been a, a had pretty vivid dreams. They're always really fucking weird. And then something I can do because I I, kind of go through phases of being able to do it and being able, you know, not being able to do it. But whenever I'm being serious about like writing down what my dreams were, I can uh, I get better at lucid dreaming where you where you know you're in a dream and then you can fly around, which is fun.
2: Can you like give us an example of one of your wild dreams?
1: One of my wild dreams? I don't know. They always seem really intense and vivid, but then when I say them out loud, they seem just kind of stupid. But I can look back in my recent texts and see if we can get any get any yucks. <laughs> I'll, I, when I wake up, I text myself my dreams, so I'm always really worried I'm going to accidentally like text like a work group chat or something. I mean, God, I'd have to like that's like fake your death, embarrassing. <laughs> So recently, on April 30th, I dreamt that I was taking photos while standing near a large pond, and there was a massive metal sculpture nearby, and then Kevin and my parents came by, and uh, my parents were warning us about alligators being in the pond and the area, and then that switched into some sort of, like, video that I think was being, it was like a music video for Beyonce, so... Make of that what you will.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, it would be interesting to get people's interpretation of that one.
1: <laughs> See, like, my, that, how could that help me solve a murder? It can't. This is kind of nice. I, I dra- dreamt uh, in April we were wandering around the English countryside on foot and we were looking at all these big, beautiful mansions. So that's kind of Jane austen as kind of classy.
2: He in heart.
1: What do you mean, the heat in the heart? I don't I'm sure I have no idea. Do you want to explain that?
2: I, I, I'm i not the one who dreamt it.
1: Why don't you explain it? You have my permission.
2: I, I think it should be told.
1: Just fucking explain <laughs> it.
2: Uh, Anya had a dream where she was... <laughs> She was affiliated with something called the heat, of the heart.
1: Now you're just making it sound like a weird sex thing. I had a dream that I was writing like the next big, like kind of thriller and like like it was really good. It was like an old fashioned kind of thriller. I don't even know what I'm talking about. This is just what I was telling myself in the dream. And the opening And the opening lines of this amazing book slash movie, I don't even know what the fuck it was, were, uh, she was the heat. She had the heart. But was she a killer? And I woke up thinking, oh my god, that's something. And then I wrote it down and I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) This is terrible. What am I doing? That's always really embarrassing. Get really excited about something because you dream it and then sucks but anyways yeah dreams are fun but yeah you don't feel like this guy's ever dreaming you feel like he's having like a full-on psychic break oh i see that mr kevin greenley texted me an entertainment weekly article
2: about your dreams
1: no not about my (laughs) dreams about about kyle killen awake creator Answering the finale's questions.
2: Was there anything there you wanted to uh, discuss?
1: Kyle Killen said that the show's producers all had their own pet theories, but nothing was written in stone.
2: As to which reality was real.
1: (sighs) Wild stuff.
2: Wild stuff.
1: So do you have anything else to add about Awake? Does it hold up in
2: your view? Uh, Watching a show this great feels like a dream. I hope I never awake.
1: Jesus Christ, that was sad. I'd say you guys shouldn't be sleeping on awake.
2: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenlee, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast. And you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
2: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast.